This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, June 3rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. The big question mark hanging over the Summer Olympics. Plus, our skeptical space reporter explains why UFOs are having a moment. But first, today's one big thing, back to normal without herd immunity. Every week for the last year, Axios has published a map of where COVID cases are rising and falling in the U.S. Today, we're retiring that map because cases are decreasing across the country and have been for a while. But even if our map is going away, COVID is not. What is this next phase of the pandemic going to look like? Dr. Lauren Ansel Myers is the director of the COVID-19 Modeling Consortium at the University of Texas at Austin and is here now to help us answer that question. Dr. Myers, welcome. Thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. What do you think the next month will look like? I think that depends where you're asking. I think that in communities around the United States, we're going to continue to see either flat or maybe declining numbers uh, in terms of cases, hospitalizations, deaths. Hopefully the numbers of people vaccinated will continue to increase. And particularly in our high-risk communities, we have seen across the United States that even in single cities, there's wide disparities that people in more affluent areas of town often have better access vaccines. In my own city of Austin, Texas, there are some zip codes where vaccination rates are still well below 40 percent and other zip codes where they're above 80 percent. Early on in the pandemic, we were introduced to the term herd immunity and told that the pandemic would be over once 60 to 70 percent of the population was immune. Is that still the right way to be thinking about this? Yeah. So, you know, herd immunity is a technical concept that epidemiologists have been familiar with for over a century. And it was recently introduced to the public. And I think it's been um, misinterpreted, misconstrued throughout the pandemic. It's a concept that comes from a model of sort of a perfect world that doesn't include vaccine evasive variants, that it doesn't include pockets of low levels of immunity. You know, we live in a world where even if we have an average of 50% vaccinated across the United States, there are some states where less than 30% have become vaccinated and other states where almost 60% have been vaccinated. And so as long as there are pockets of low immunity, we will be in a situation where we won't reach herd immunity, where as a whole, we won't be in a situation where we we have hope of this virus fading out on its own. I think it's easy to hear this and think COVID isn't actually going fully away and think that this is very bad news. But the good news is we do know how to contain this, right? Yeah. So even if we never reach herd immunity technically, even if this virus never fully fades away, that doesn't mean that we can't return to some level of normalcy. And in fact, right now we are returning to a level of normalcy throughout the United States. You know, COVID may become a seasonal threat. It may be something that returns to cities in America, maybe on an annual basis in the winter, like other coronaviruses or influenza viruses do. We don't know that. 
But if it does, it may not be as severe, as deadly as it was when it first appeared, partly because of the immunity that we do have from vaccines, from prior exposures that may give us some level of protection so that if we are exposed in the future, it's simply not as deadly. Dr. Lauren Ansel Myers is the director of the COVID-19 Modeling Consortium at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Dr. Myers. My pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with protests over the Tokyo Olympics. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios Today. With 51 days left until the Olympics, calls to cancel this year's games in Tokyo have been growing in Japan. Just about 5.5% of the country's population is fully vaccinated against COVID, and thousands of Olympic volunteers have quit over safety concerns. Axios' Ina Fried is here to catch us up quick. Ina, are the Olympics going to happen? It's really hard to tell. I mean, if you ask the Olympic organizers, the IOC, the Japanese Organizing Committee, yes, everything's on track. But if you talk to the people of Japan, you know, surveys have consistently shown between 60 and 80 percent of people don't want the games to go on. Doctors have issued a call saying to call off the games. One of the newspapers, big newspapers in Japan, which is itself a sponsor of the games, called on them to cancel. So it's really a question of which wins out, sort of public sentiment and health wisdom versus the huge dollars at stake uh, when you talk about canceling an Olympic Games. You know, is this up to the IOC to make that determination? It really is, in large part. Japan has agreed to host it and would have uh, some major financial and legal headaches if it tried to unilaterally cancel it. The feeling is they could cancel it in June still if they needed to. In the meantime, is your passport ready? Are you still going? I have my passport. I have my refundable plane tickets, and I hope to be there covering it, assuming they happen. Axios is Ina Freed. Thank you. Thanks, Nyla. Because my entire politics is premised on the fact that we are these tiny organisms on this little speck floating in the middle of space. Yes, that was former President Barack Obama. And yes, he was talking about extraterrestrial life. He was doing that with Ezra Klein on his podcast. Talking about extraterrestrial life is one of the least favorite topics of our space reporter, Miriam Kramer, which is why I have invited her to come on and talk about why UFOs are having a moment, as The Washington Post said. Miriam, thank you for talking about your least favorite topic with us. Oh my gosh, of course. I'm happy to be here. So let's talk about UFO videos, which have existed for years and before there was the Internet. What kind of questions are people talking about now? Like, why is this like in the past three weeks, I feel like UFO videos like the chatter has really gone up. So I think that a lot of the reason for that is 
Uh, there's this shiny new report that is due to Congress from the Pentagon right now, sort of detailing what they have investigated when it comes to UFOs and sort of what they think they are and the variety of videos that have been circling out there in the public. Basically, the Pentagon needs to report to Congress like what they've been doing with it. It's funny. It's like there's this big bipartisan push to actually see this, I think in part for the same reasons that you know all of us are fascinated by it, just because it's like incredibly fun and interesting to think about. What is the Pentagon saying about all this? Well, they're not saying all that much officially. I think like the report is really what most people are waiting to to see, uh, to, to know kind of where the Pentagon stands with it. Where do you think would be the most likely place that we would find extraterrestrial life? Is it a little speck? Speaking of President Obama talking about little specks. It is definitely a little speck. Uh, I think that when you sort of talk to scientists, especially who are who are searching for life, people are not necessarily talking about, you know, looking for civilizations or advanced technologies. What most folks these days, especially NASA, are focusing on is the search for microbial life in the solar system. And is that your big takeaway? Yeah, I think that's my big takeaway. UFO videos are compelling and interesting and kind of wild, but they are by no means proof of alien life. If anything, they're proof of a possible national security risk. But when it comes to the actual search for life in the universe, it's all about those, those tiny specks. Axios is space reporter Miriam Kramer. Miriam, thank you for talking about this with us. <laughs> Anytime, Nyla. I think about it a lot. So happy to be here. <laughs> Miriam would kill me if I did not leave you with another bigger space headline from yesterday. NASA said it's sending two spacecraft to Venus for the first dedicated missions to the planet in more than 30 years. The missions will try to understand how it evolved and if Venus was ever like Earth. That's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boudin. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. 